0: bijou Podcasts.
1: This is episode one of the Stacey June Show. Whoop whoop! And I'm speaking to my very own healer man, Michael Trembath. I'm Stacey June. Hello. I want to help you find your inner spark. And I promise you, this podcast is going to be so much more than a motivational meme. By sharing the teachings and lessons I've learned on my path to spiritual and personal growth, you too can connect with your true self and become the most honest, worthy and powerful version of yourself you can be. This podcast is going to be about connecting with others and reconnecting you with yourself learning to enjoy the good stuff in the moment, the lessons in the hard stuff, which is often where they live, and to always find the funny in the fucked. Hey there. Hello. Welcome to the very first episode of The Stacey June Show. I am feeling a mixture of excitement and nerves And I feel really awake, not the kind of awake where you're on a coffee, the wake that you feel a little bit uh, open from your chest. I feel wide open. And it is really interesting to find yourself uh, starting a new show again as a radio broadcaster and a podcaster for the better half of, uh, you know, 10 years. It has been an interesting process to say goodbye to some shows and begin shows and it is, it is a real, a real a roller coaster and there's a real moment before you press send or upload where you question and doubt everything you've ever done and it doesn't get any easier. This would be, oh my goodness, let me think about it. I've had four podcasts, uh, that's not including the radio shows, so one, two, three, four... I don't know, maybe five radio shows. And this is the very first show I've ever done on my own. And, oh, no, that's a lie. I had the one-on-one sessions, but it does feel like that's an extension of that. But this is really going to be the show that I want it to be for myself, but also for you. And after doing so many uh, different styles of shows uh, with my past um, big, big brand and, and project, The Thinker Girls, what I found that I've, I've fallen out of with that and, and what, what I've ended with is that there's a real, I suppose, need and desire for finding ways for us to connect better with ourselves. But it's still being in a language and a conversation that we understand and that we that we don't feel intimidated or kind of eye rolly at, to be honest. And when we were going through this process, I'm working really closely with my husband on this. Um, you know we we really actually argued a little bit or well, not argued, but we disagreed on some points and and as we move into a space that could be looked upon as sitting in a self-help space, Uh, There is a real style and commitment and discipline that he offers that I don't. I'm much more, let's do it my way, risk-oriented. I don't really give a shit about the details, as you know, if you listen to my previous shows. Uh, I don't really care if I swear or have the correct grammar or know the sayings correctly. They're not things that motivate or inspire me. But at the same time, we both decided we wanted to be able to do with the show uh, a real justice to meeting in the middle of those two things because maybe I'd gone f- too far that way and maybe he he sits a little far the other way and it probably is resemblance of our relationship. So we did plenty of different options through this. And at the end of the day, I guess the whole reason I started this show was to be able to do the self-work, self-help conversation, the the spirituality conversation, the meditation conversation, the getting into the crux of our feelings, doing the hard work, understanding there's meaning, there's metaphysical meaning, there's energy, there's the law of attraction. There's so many things that I want to talk about, but I want to talk about it the way I talk. And the way I talk is like you, an everyday person that's having a go. And I began this podcast because I started to understand, even when I started to cringe, started to write my book and think about, oh my God, I'm really scared to hop into this space. And uh, my kinesiologist at the time, Deborah Beers, she works from Sydney, turned to me and said, Your life has been the meaning of self help. You have self helped yourself out of, you know, an incredibly, like, just a very. Poor childhood and a very uh, unstable foundation to li- To the beginning of life, lots of uh, un- unhealthy relationships, lots of abuse, lots of lots of um, taught. You know, so at some points trauma and and awful things. And I've I've really taken those things and learned from them and built from them and and used them as ammo and petrol to try and break the chains of things that I came into this world doing and tried to create a path for myself using all of that crap, finding the funny and the fucked, and then using it as power and, and as, I guess, tools to allow myself to move to a path that I feel like we all are destined to be, which is, is our, our honesty and our truth and, and a place where we live anxiety and panic-free. And so that's a big thing about my, my year this year and starting the show is, is to do things that feel less anxious. If I feel uneasy about it, then I'm going to not do it. And I'm going to ask myself if it's my stuff first and, and am I, and am I avoiding feeling something? And if that's not the case, then I'm going to step away from it. And I find that it works, that you start to feel better about yourself and then those decisions become easier and easier and easier. So welcome to the first episode of my show. Uh, I am so so thrilled to invite this person into my home because usually I'm in his digs, not his home, but his his workrooms. I had I had a conversation with Michael uh, Michael Trembath many moons ago now, where I was. I don't know what took me there. I think I was in a pretty anxious place and cons- always constantly soul-searching but was very interested in energy and, and moving through different parts of my life and understanding that there is a mental game and there is a, a therapy side to moving through hard stuff and there's also a physical side. And as an anxiety sufferer, I'm very aware of the two but I think for a long time I very much focused on my mind and my mental strength and and didn't really pay as much attention to my physical body. So I went and spoke to him after I spoke to Kate Kendall on the Thinker Girl, the podcast. Um, I'll put that episode in show notes if you're interested. It is still uh, alive and kicking. And I spoke to her afterwards on Instagram, and we did a little bit of work with her across the board over a period of time. And she said to me, you need to see this man. This particular man then really opened up my eyes to working through oh that's well, I call my husband call Ben to ask him how I should re- kind of do this very first intro and now he's calling in the middle Oh, let me just answer for a second hi babe hello hey I was just asking you I was going to call you to double check on those scripts early stages with the Stacey June show how we're going to do the beginning and then that other audio bit and then the next bit would be my big kind of chat to intro it um Mm -hmm. but i'm stuck in now and i'm actually recording so you're being recorded right now um because i didn't have my phone on silent (laughs) and i think it's too good to actually lose i'm not doing it again so um you can say hi if you like hello everyone um and i'll get back to it and then i'll give you a buzz after okay all right sweet i'll give you a call in a sec okay all right love you okay love you bye bye He's quite confronted, to say the least. He's probably also looking for a little bit more of a refined introduction to the show. <laughs> Sorry, it's the Stacey June show, and I will compromise to a point. Uh, okay, where was I? Michael Trembath. So, oh, God, I walked in and I was really in pain from my anxiety, to be honest, but I can't remember particularly what we worked on early on. But I, it was a bit of trauma, a bit of sexual trauma, I think, Um and a few things that i hadn't i wasn't able to let go. And straight away when you are in Michael's presence, there is an immediate sense of calm. The man holds his energy and it's it's like a beacon of light to be honest. I also have been able to be given proper tools to move this tense, built up anxious energy that sits in my chest and move it through my body instead of just wishing it away. Because let's face it, you're anxious and then you feel something in your body and there's a really good chance that it's not going to be able to just disappear at the click of your fingers. So in the moment, I wanted to be able to work through some steps on how to channel that to move through me. And he has been able to not only... Uh, do a lot of his energy work and his massage and I would say therapy for me it would be very different for each of his clients Uh, he's been able to do that in in a healing way in the consultation but he has this incredible way to be able to explain what I need to hear and how I need to move my energy for myself day to day. And I am such a person to, that believes in tools and putting together uh, tools and putting together a toolkit that we can move forth and work, walk into life with our own version of tools that work specifically for us and our needs and the way we like to learn. And he is a master at that. I really don't think that he's probably explaining some of the things that he explains to me in the same way he's explaining to other patients. I know that's my my husband comes out of it with similar principles and a completely different way to approach it. And I think that is just so, so incredible and, and such a generous thing he's able to do. He spent years studying with some of the world's greatest healers, including Gandhi's doctor, um, the Ayurvedic physician for the Dalai Lama. He has a BA in psychology, in business, a diploma in therapeutic massage. And he has so many different certificates that accredit um him to being the most fully well-equipped practitioner and healer I have ever seen. I'm a very, very big fan of what he does, but who he is as a person. And I think that there's a couple of things and a couple of tools that I hope you take away from this episode. Um, I'm so, so thrilled that you are here. I thank you so much for supporting me from all the different projects that I've done. And if you find yourself here and you've been looking for this type of work from me, then welcome. I'm really really excited to dive right in. And if you are someone that has expected different stuff from me and and you have heard me in different capacities, then I hope that you listen to these shows with an open heart and, and maybe you'll learn something that you didn't know you were here to learn. Without further ado, I should introduce my guest. Please enjoy the first episode of the Stacey June Show. This is Michael Trembar. It's actually a really um, nice place I find myself today talking to you because having worked with you and you working Mm. with me Mm. from a a professional but also like a little bit of a personal level, we've got to know each other over the last few years. Sure. Uh, I had in my mind that I was essentially going to work on my own as we spoke about right? and had this lead up to, you know, I guess this... Daydreaming or this mm. imagination about mm. it because mm. it's something, everything starts with a thought or a feeling, I guess. Yeah. And one of those early feelings was that we would have this conversation. So it's really nice Fun. to be sitting yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, i delighted. Yeah, and having this. So thank you for your time. So I remember when I first came in to your consult room mm-hmm and it was a, it's a beautiful room, lots of crystals, very clear energy. There's like a massage table um, in the middle of the room with a desk and a couch and mm-hmm. a glass of water, mm-hmm. ready to go, everything sure. very organized. And I didn't really know what I was in for.
2: Yeah, sure, nobody ever does. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. and
1: I wanted to ask you about what it's like to find yourself in a job that isn't always easily explained.
2: Ah, uh, that's such a good question. Um, in truth 99.9% of the people come to see me walk in and say I have no idea what to expect or even why I'm here my best friend said I have to come or I was talking to them about what's going on in my relationship or in my energy or in my workplace and said oh you've got to go um, so um, coming from a pretty conservative background you know, I, I like to be organized I like to have things kind of together and the nature of the work that I do is just not like that. So oh, when... There's
1: some sirens for us. I'm not going to take this stuff out, I've decided, because yeah. we record in my house. So it, generally, it's yeah. quite busy around summer in, in the area I live. There's something hectic going on somewhere. Sure, Either life. someone's put their head into the shore break could you, because it's so rough, or... I'm trying to think of what else. There's a hospital around the corner, sure, and so I a guess someone... the street. Yeah.
2: yeah, sure. Could, yeah. could be anything. Sorry, to
1: interrupt.
2: No, no. Um, the The nature of what I do is so personal that when someone comes for therapy or comes uh, for some kind of treatment, I actually don't know what we're going to do. Right. And even if somebody's been to see me twenty times, thirty times, fifty times, I bet there are people have been treating for twenty years.
1: Yeah,
2: right. I don't know what's going to happen. Other than that, we are gonna have a little chat. They lie down on a table. I put my hands on their feet or their legs to kind of feel what's going on inside of them. And then we just go with what my intuition says and what their body is saying. So um, it, it involves, it's a little, a little bit like going swimming in the surf, right? You, you don't know exactly what's gonna happen. You've been in the ocean before. You go down to the beach and you think, I know what the water is. But you don't know what the rip is on that day. You don't know what the temperature is on that day. Are there jellyfish, is it clear? Um, Are there other fish? Are there dolphins? Are there sharks? What is there on that day? So every time we go to the beach, it's kind of this experience of curiosity. And so that's what it is for me is what's going to happen.
1: But for the, the, the customer, I guess, mm. or the person, if you're a surfer, you know you're surfing, right? So there's this whole other <laughs> part of that analogy, which That's is a- you're very aware of what's going on, yet someone like me and some of yeah. your other patients, even though you still have some idea of what to expect, mm. you there is this uh, this lack of proof, I guess, that yeah, I yeah. think a lot of people are interested in talking about more now because yeah. we are moving into a space in society where we're asking ourselves there's got to be more mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. when we start to look back and see okay I've tried these pills and I've tried this uh this type of healing and where am I getting the results and you can't ignore that stuff so it yeah. is interesting so what is it like personally for you? So say you're at a dinner party and I am i don't know the kinds of people that you mingle with, mm-hmm. but you're at a dinner party and someone asks you what you do. Right. You've got, and we'll get into it, but you've you've got such an array of experience and some stuff that is completely uh, recognised and celebrated in the Western world mm-hmm. and then some things that a lot of people, as we've spoken about, don't quite understand. Yeah. How do you... Firstly, how do you mold those types of responses? And how does it... Are you in a place where you're very comfortable with that? And did that take time?
2: Yeah. yeah. Now completely comfortable. But I think probably for the first five years I was doing this, I tried to couch it in I'm a therapist or I do massage or I trained with with an osteopath, Mm -hmm. something that would make kind of easy, ready sense. Um, Whereas now I might just say um, I'm a therapist and what I do is... Partly coaching and partly pain relief and partly working with emotions Mm -hmm. and partly working with focus so that people can get a better experience of their lives. Mm. And the world has changed so much in the last 20 years, whereas that might have sounded completely (laughs) airy-fairy 20 years ago. Now people say, oh, so is that like what? Something like meditation or Reiki or something like that. And I'll say, you know, those can be parts of it. Um, but it's much more about finding a place where someone feels safe and comfortable to reveal what's really going on in their life, and then and then to take steps to make it better. Whether that's because their back is sore, or they're having an emotional experience that they're having difficulty with, or they they're not at all clear in their mind about what they want to be doing professionally. If if we can meet in a really honest place, then The nature of the work that I do can help people take those steps and some of it's what I do, some Mm -hmm. of it's what I'm doing with my hands or with with energy Mm -hmm. and some of it's just the verbal exchange. So when someone comes in, for example, like yourself and mm-hmm. says, mm, Hi, mm, I got your name.
1: Mm-hmm. I've been
2: carrying your card in my handbag for three years. Well, it was then- actually on a
1: podcast yeah. that somebody mentioned your name, believe it or not.
2: <laughs> and then
1: that. I private messaged them and said, I think I'm, I'm feeling called to see this person. Yeah. And then she put me in touch with you, which is hilarious. Yeah,
2: that's nice. And so it's it's like I try to take a couple of minutes at the beginning like you know 60 seconds to just say what my approach is mm-hmm. so that they that someone new can have a degree of comfort that you know whatever it is that they that uh, that it's not some kind of psychic reading that mm-hmm. it's not something they have to take the clothes off for mm-hmm. that uh, that we can talk on whatever whatever level they want and for some people it's like they want assurance that this is going to be energetic enough hmm And for other people, it's like, I don't want to talk about the energy thing. Mm. My neck is sore. Can you work with that? Right, okay, interesting. So I'm trying to find that place. And in that first 60 seconds or 120 seconds, obviously, I'm also, one, connecting and also reading. Right. You know, I'm sure it's the same Mm. when you're doing an interview. You're kind kind of gauging the person and reading how comfortable they are. And for me... I'm actually reading energy, I'm reading body posture, I'm reading movement, and I'm reading kind of what their what their level of expectation or anxiety or distress mm. or peace is.
1: Mm.
2: And then that that's the starting place. That tells me where we go.
1: Which is incredible because I feel like a lot of people are jack of all trades in that they they will have many things that they study or are interested in. But yet few will go to the next step where they will feel like they can put it all together and then present themselves because yep. they're so much more comfortable being the psychologist or being oh, the right. doctor, or, yeah, yeah. but yet they've got all of this other... And I'm sure it comes out to play at some point, but... But people just love that label. And yeah, so th- yeah, yeah. I think there's so many of our skill sets or our uh, lessons, whether it's just from life or whether it's from actual study, that we just kind of put pause on or even just put in a box because it doesn't fit with the label that we live amongst. I,
2: I totally agree. In fact, the, the label or the, the elevator description that you give that's one sentence about who you are, what you do, to me is just is, is not a connector.
1: No. Echo and Oprah are doing a podcast at the moment, which is pretty epic. And they're doing a – it's like an experiment for you to go walking – and this stuff all sounds pretty cliche until you actually do it. Sure. So, like I say, we would just to get off track for a second. Um, there's a group of us are deciding to go camping over Easter, and I mm. just bagged the shit out of one of the suggestions. <laughs> and I went against my own my own kind of mantra, which is if you can't bring another suggestion to the table, you don't get to shit on someone else's sure. suggestion. Sure. And so, don't poo-poo the idea until you've actually done it. And so, they suggest that you walk through the park. And you take off, which is quite epic because we talk about labels in terms of jobs or marital status or all these mm. different types of things, but we don't take off labels from nature. Yeah, yeah. So they, so Eckhart has said that you should walk through nature and even take the titles and labels off nature. So yeah. don't call it a tree, don't call it a footpath, don't call it a lake take all of those labels off and then see what's left
2: yeah i love that which I love is that.
1: just mind-blowing
2: yeah sure
1: because even with nature you think to some degree well that's a name and that's safe and it's nature but still that has some form of label to it right yeah. where you've you might have fallen off a tree so tree now means this to you mm. you know so sure. it's quite fascinating so let's go back to where i am at in your book now you've written okay. a book, and I'm very lucky to have had a bit of a sneak peek yeah. um and I, i've got it i've got it all downloaded on my my partner's he's got it all ready for me on the iPad and I'm reading it each night <laughs> very advanced. and and um and it's um it's really quite incredible because I think that anybody that gets to a point maybe in their early thirties late thirties and they start to really ponder meaning on a different level. I think in your 20s, you're really trying hard to live up to what the idea of being an adult was. And then in your 30s, you're like, oh, fuck this. Like, There's got to be something else because I can't feel like this. I was interested to read that you were going through a tough time, that Mm. you were in the corporate world in New York and you weren't feeling great. And, And how does the process for you to transform your, essentially your career happened in that, in that story. I know it's a long one, but yeah. take us through. Well,
2: it, I mean, it's mm. exactly what you said. You know, I was in my early thirties. Uh, I was doing really well in New York. I just got a huge promotion and we were kind of sitting around, sitting around celebrating um, what had just happened in the company uh, that I was with down in Brad Street over the last year. And I just realized this is completely meaningless to me. Like, mm. I, who cares if I help someone sell more cars or we sold a lot more fried chicken or that there's a company that does lube jobs and we really increase their sales. <laughs> you know, and, and and all of that matters in the economy, but it didn't matter to me. Mm. You know, personally, I felt really empty from it. And, and then I just realized that wh- where I've been going all the way through my 20s, and really since I was probably 10, was just an arrow going in the wrong direction. Mm. And so it was... There was a, a depressive breakdown. I got extremely depressed, didn't know who I was or what I was meant to be doing. Um, and I started just th- this very long process of surrender, which is, well, maybe I don't know who I am. I surrender all my labels. I'm not the businessman. I'm not the New Yorker. I'm, uh, I'm not the, the kind of uh, high-achieving superstar employee. Maybe I'm lost. Mm-hmm. And I'm surrendering into that, which was quite an agonizing process, let me say, okay, well, what am I going to do? Who am I going to be? And so I started taking care of my health from the first thing.
1: I oh, just to interrupt on yep. that point. When you get to a point where you surrender to being lost, that's a big moment, right? Mm, because mm. you need to understand that you're going to put your hands up and say, you don't know.
2: Absolutely.
1: How did you do you have a friend that says to you you're lost do you <laughs> see a therapist like or did you just have some kumbaya moment in no, bed one night you know,
2: I was just I think I was internally in agony. Mm-hmm. You know, I just I was in depression. I just thought I don't feel happy. Mm. You know, I've got the job, the car, I had a sailboat, you know, a lovely girlfriend. I, everything was kind of the way it
0: should tick, tick, be. Tick. What yeah, I what yeah, I yeah. thought I
2: wanted when I was 17, 18, 25. And inside, I felt really, really empty. And so it wasn't so much someone else telling me. I mean, obviously, I'd, I had gone into therapy because mm-hmm. I was so miserable. Mm-hmm. But what, what was clear is I really can't go on. Mm. I, I do not want to continue on this path until something better presents. I need to stop the path and make a turn. And... And so I, I literally walked off my job in New York. And,
1: uh. And signs for that would be for other people, not mm. being able to get out of bed, you know, feeling, you know, grey or depressed. I think a lot of us are starting to think of depression or anxiety because it has become so. Oh, well, I don't want to use it popular. <laughs> because it's, it's prevalent. It's, well, it's prevalent it's and it's. A huge it's, percentage it's, of the population. It is. It, we have started to. Th- think of it as we should as a mental illness. But what I think part of the conversation that we're missing is, is there more meaning? Is there something that we're ignoring within ourselves? And that this is different levels depending on how, what the severity of your depression is. But I do think that we are starting to now see it as the illness it should be, but the discovery or the inquisitiveness or the curious nature about who we are is still to come
2: yeah it's so much about the inner conflict and, and that if I'm depressed or if I've got anxiety or honestly almost any mental illness and a great many physical illnesses as well mm-hmm. is that we've got this huge conflict inside us that, that our mental mind or our expectations or our outer mask is mm-hmm. saying this is me this is my world the and labels
1: we spoke about that's earlier right. Yeah, that's right that's
2: exactly right and yeah. some inner part is saying shit no no that's not me and or what about all this part of me that's being ignored what about all this Mm. part of me and some of that's pain and some of that's longing and some of that's spiritual quest and some of that's um, wanting to be as you're saying more of what's inside so there's this inner pressure that builds up and depression anxiety and many other mental illnesses are just ways to kind of hold that in Mm. and the moment there's this, this sense of well, I'm lost. I, I am not what I thought I was going to be. I'm not going where I thought I was going to be going. Then you, you have an opportunity to say, I'm willing to look in places I never looked before. And <laughs> this is part of you talking about with Eckhart Tolle's recommendation to go into nature. What if I take off the label that being a businessman is a good mm. thing or earning a certain income is a good thing? What if I take those labels away and just say, what's good for me? Mm. What do I feel? And if I feel rotten in this environment, if it makes me miserable, then maybe I need to be in a different environment where I can flourish. And then you start looking for environments where you flourish. So what I did is I, um, I just started taking care of my health and reading about health. And I came to uh, articles and magazines that inspired me and that led me to courses that I took. And step by step by step, over a course of about four years, I started training in massage and natural therapies and my very first teacher said your mind is a mess you can't focus on i
1: have i have read that bit
2: (laughs) and and he he was brilliant he said if if you want to be good at anything much less treating other people you have got to meditate you Mm -hmm. have got to get some focus and clarity so your mind isn't running in circles all the time So from that moment forward, I started meditating, and that became a a medicine for me. Mm. Meditation really changed my ability to, not just to focus, I mean, that's really relevant, but also to feel, Mm. to go to a place inside me that let me be still enough that I could actually feel what's happening in me. And that then evolved into, if I can feel what's happening in me, then I can feel what's happening in nature. I can feel what's happening in other people. I can feel what's happening in my relationship. But until you can feel what's happening in you, and that's the big evolution, what am I I actually sensing inside? Once you can sense that, then the, the, the possibility of sensing and connecting to everything else goes way up.
1: And that's a very different conversation and I think a very different action for men and women. Because I feel like maybe it's supposed to be the same, where many, many years ago, I'm not sure about this whole thing where we are different, but then I think feeling is something that I would imagine we all are born to have.
2: Mm, Sure, of course.
1: But I do believe that all of these labels and all of this, you know, these kinds of boxes that we speak about put us in very different places and one of the boxes that feeling or um, I suppose the action of feeling uh, is put on women and, and I'm, I'm experiencing this with a partner that it is just so, it's something I have taken so for granted mm. that it actually isn't even about sometimes a choice. There's a real um, action or there's a real um, practice that has to happen in order for him to bring that stuff up. That's
2: exactly right, yeah. I. I mean, I, I hate pointing out differences between men and women, but there, there are some things. I mean, I've been a therapist now for over 25 years, and so the, it's certainly patterns emerge. Men more often come to me because something hurts, and then we eventually evolve into all the other right. kind of things. So guys are more likely to come because uh, they were playing squash and their shoulder is out mm-hmm. or they had a surfing accident or their back has always been sore. Um, and women are much more likely to come because they don't feel right that they feel uncomfortable and they may not even have a, a clarity around it yeah. you know so I do think that there's some differences and for better or worse women have looked inside more
0: mm.
2: and so you know for whatever ev-
0: reason yeah. And, yeah and and yeah. some
2: sometimes that's for good reasons because they're sensing their friendships or they're sensing uh, their partner or they're sensing children so they have that that advantage, and yeah. sometimes it's for bad reasons. Like um, you know, you're not allowed to take these action steps, so you've got to kind of look inside rather than looking outside. Yeah. Um, with men, you know, I'm of the generation I grew up in the '60s and '70s, and um, there's a, a, a I want to say a shockingly, shockingly slow change in how men see themselves. Mm. And I was introduced kind of in my early teens to the idea of kind of exploring truth and exploring sensations and exploring feelings, but I didn't do it. Mm. It was in the media with the hippies and the kind of the women's movement opening up. It was in the media, but I, 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 sorry, I'd heard of it, but I didn't do it until I was in my thirties. And Mm. I think it's very common for men that we lean into, yeah, 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 I hear all of that, but you know truthfully i just want to get a job or i just want to play sport or i just want to you know knock out my achievements like i have to and then it's later in life when life becomes more challenging either something happens and this happens for both men and women but typically a little bit more for men something difficult happens there's a divorce there's a layoff there's um, an illness of some kind with yourself or someone you love and then think wait a minute all this stuff i've been doing hasn't prepared me for this part of life.
1: Nor will it change it.
2: Correct. And that's when they have to look inside.
1: And it's interesting because then that kind of comes full circle because I believe that the point you just made is is really becoming way more prevalent with women in that in that it is taking people are very women are very aware and I think this is where it's starting to even out. And I don't know if that's because where a lot of women are becoming more masculine or their masculine energy is has really stepped up over the past couple of years with ambition and career and equality and all those types of things we strive for and a lot of us are very aware of these things and yet I find the action is not there that the you know I I speak to so many women Mm -hmm. every day Mm -hmm. with my work and so many women are very aware of the opportunities to self-discovery or to to, I can have better orgasms or I can connect in a different way or I can go within and everybody's very aware of it yet there is very few that have any idea firstly on how to make those first steps to actually activate it and secondly to actually put it into action and I think that's because a lot of us have put words like vulnerability, meditation self-awareness, discovery, going within as not actions. They're almost these things that we should just have presented to us because we are we, us. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, it, it does, Stacey. And I, I, it's it's partly Western expectations. that Part of it is that expectation that man or woman, if I hear meditation and attend a one-hour, a three-hour, a six-hour meditation class, then I should be able to do it. If I hear better orgasm or more vulnerability or click uh, a headline, yeah, n- you you name it. I should be able to read a book, you know, talk to two people about it, and maybe do a seminar, and then I've got it. And, and none of those things happen that way. Self-discovery is a long, arduous, beautiful, and painful process, and mm. so is meditation and mm. better orgasms, and everything that has to do with growing internally is something that happens over decades, mm. not over weekends. Mm. You know, and even, even when you know, I've just come back from India and you know, had many, many phenomenal experiences that were probably quite life-altering, I'm sure it will take me two or three years to integrate mm. what it is that I experienced when I was there. And that's true of anything. You have um, a sensational experience with your partner And it still is gonna take you six months to kind of let that settle in and and become routine or regular or solid in your relationship. You have a big discovery at work about how you can perform better. You may be able to integrate that in two days, but that's not how it works Mm. when you're doing something that may be confronting to your ego. It may not fit with the personality that you've grown up with. It may not fit with the expectations that you've grown up with. And so this personal stuff, we have to completely move the goalposts for and say, let's open it up and say, it's like a nature walk. You're not going to go out and understand trees in a half an hour.
1: By looking at them. Yeah.
2: Mm. you know, Understand trees over a lifetime. You know, yes, maybe read a book or do a science class or sp- spend time with somebody who's an arborist and really understands trees. But basically, go sit around with trees, walk around them, hang around them, swing in them, climb in them, enjoy them, and over twenty years you'll have a real understanding of what the meaning of a tree is and what a tree feels like to you. And it's the same is true with your heart. The same is true with how you feel in intimacy. The same is true for how you feel around sexuality or the. The different emotions you have, your anger, your frustration, your, um, your joy or lack of joy, all those things are, are things that take, I would say, somewhere between 3 and 20 years to get a real appreciation for it.
1: Which some people may have pressed stop right yeah, now. Exactly. But it's interesting because it's that I think even just the conversation of the reality of that is already... Tapping onto an ego or tapping onto something that makes us so uncomfortable. Where do you think that comes from?
2: Well, the discomfort um, is the resistance to change. The discomfort is I've spent, you know, let's say, I don't know, all of us have spent decades in it. Maybe it's two decades, maybe it's three decades. Some people, you know, six, seven decades with a particular set of beliefs, expectations, personality relationships. And you're talking about me going in and questioning all those things. Mm. How much intimacy do I really want? You know, I've always thought since I was 10, I really liked intimacy. And suddenly mm. I'm presented with this extraordinary relationship, either with a friend or with a lover or whatever it is. It's an unbelievable relationship. And suddenly I find, find myself frightened mm. of that level of intimacy that I'm feeling.
1: Mm. And also, yeah. funnily enough, it's probably the level of intimacy that you desired. And then it presents itself <laughs> and you're like... Oh, I, I'm going to Yeah, call yeah That's me. right. I'm at the door. Well, because sure. that was certainly me and my relationship. Yeah, you know, yeah. I worked so hard at meeting a conscious, present, energy matching yeah. to some degree. And then when it arrived, it was all encompassing and incredibly overwhelming and bigger than I could ever really have anticipated. And it is interesting because then you think that once you do the work and attract potentially what it is that you desired or something something great comes into your life and you think cool then you know that move on to the next thing oh no
2: no 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 you gotta you gotta bring it in and you have to steep in it yeah and sit
1: in that as well and then there's more work to do together So when you, uh, you, you consult, how often a week are you with patients?
2: So I'm, I'm in my clinic five days you a are week. You yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. I, w- I would see between uh, 25 and 35 people a week.
1: Yeah. And what's something that you left 2018 thinking, wow, that was a real trend for my patients?
2: Well, I mean, I'm just going to be really honest. Yeah, it's the only way I know how to go with this. So when I when I touch my intuition around that, it has to do with people believing they're on a path when they've just turned from one false uh, false light to another false light. Mm. So it's that'd be
1: hard to witness.
2: It well, it's it's the nature of of humanity. It's like the the real work is hard and painful, and the real truth is. Um, joyous and glorious mm. but just as you're decri- describing when you, when you get close to the real truth of who you are what you want in a relationship it's it's terrifying and bigger than you, what you wanted and, and usually not at all in the same dimensions as what you'd expected. Mm. so it's it's quite different and so people will um, they might have said look I thought my truth was being successful in business and so instead I've turned to some guru, or I've turned to some form of yoga, or I've turned to some form of exercise, and they get as attached to that as they were to their achievements in the workplace, and they're kind of approaching that. You know, if I just do one more one more kundalini yoga workshop, or if I just do one more meditation workshop, you know, I I will have climbed a certain amount, and, and it's literally just shifting, mm. shifting um, one kind of false god for another false god instead of saying where and so that's what i witnessed a lot mm-hmm. in the last year mm-hmm. and and what my hope would be and what what my classes and and my my therapy will be about this year i'm hoping is it'll be more about what's actually happening inside of you not how are you measuring yourself on the outside not how are you measuring yourself in your yoga class or your pilates class but at what depth have you reached inside What degree of expansion have you experienced in your heart? Mm -hmm. How much more closely are you speaking with your intuition? Mm -hmm. How much do you engage from an authentic place that leaves you raw and vulnerable? And many, many times that kind of false light of, and it doesn't matter what it is. You can, you can find a false light in everything. Every good thing can be misconstrued mm-hmm. as, as false light. Every good teaching, every good uh, philosophical book, and every good spiritual path can, can become a false path as well if it's held on the surface instead of saying, how deeply does this go into me? Um, and I'll, I'll give you a little example. You know, um, At one point when we were traveling in India, we met with um, a guy who was kind of recognized by tens of thousands of people as being an enlightened master and it's it's quite a a special experience and um, the people coming to meet him are pushing and shoving and trying to get close and it's like they're looking for the blessing or they're looking for the energy or they're looking for the something special and there's all this kind of jostling and anxiety and what will it be what will it be and you see they're they're out to collect the prize,
0: mm.
2: not to feel what happens inside themselves mm. when they're around someone who's in that remarkable state. And so when I was, when I was there, and my ego does the same thing. He's mm. going to talk to me. Will he recognize that I'm really important? <laughs> you know What special is going to happen <laughs> for me? And I, when I feel that, it's like, wait a minute. This is about me interacting with myself and me interacting with another human being who's in a remarkable state. Can I... Create a state for myself where I can just present myself raw, simple, open as an energy, as a spirit, as a human being, as a flawed person, stand there completely open, and feel what that 's like to be with someone who's in a really brilliant state. Um, and you know, to some degree, I had a good experience you with did. that, but yeah, I, right. but I also I also noticed that my ego.
1: You had to talk yourself oh, into Oh, my it. God.
2: Yeah, I was the, the, whole, the whole way up in the queue yeah. waiting to see him was, was that struggle.
1: And it's interesting because everybody thinks the second that you've become some form of healer or energy person or a therapist that you are, you don't, you are dehumanized, you know, that you aren't a person that has to go through that process.
2: Oh, it, it's, it's so laughable. And I, you know, <laughs> I, I know that there are therapists and even branches of psychology and so forth where people present as having it together. You know that there there's some schools Whatever of that therapy. Means. Yeah, yeah. That, that I've got it sorted, and I'm here to help you get as sorted as I am, um, which is just a complete joke. You mm. know, I've never met the human who doesn't have an awful lot of work to it's do. Really,
1: myself and it, included. And I think half the battle of if you ever wanted to get into, uh, you know, um, of helping people or coaching or doing things that give back to people. There is a really strong sense of that because I think that a lot of people believe they need to be sorted to get into certain careers or get into certain places where they essentially give help of things that they may have learned in the past but not feel very equipped or essentially cured mm-hmm. of everything. Sure. And, and, it, and I think it holds a lot of people back, that notion.
2: No, and it's completely false because each and every one of us can touch a place of unbelievable truth and power. You know, we may not be able to do it consciously. Maybe it happens when we come up out of the ocean after a swim, or maybe it's when we're sitting watching a sunset, or maybe it's after making love or whatever it is. But we, we can touch this, a place of, of honesty and clarity where what comes out of our mouth and what comes out of our hearts is the utter absolute truth about ourselves or about someone else. All of us can do that. Mm-hmm. And so if you're in the in the business or in, if your job is to be of service and help someone do something then it's just a matter of being able to find that on a regular basis mm. and so someone who's done you know a year's worth of training you know in whatever it is psychotherapy or yoga or massage or whatever it is may not be a great master at it yet mm-hmm. but if they recognize their limits and have their mm. own humanity right in the front then they're going to settle in at some point to a place where they're actually speaking the real truth and and that might be something as simple as you know we've got to do something about the sugar in your diet mm. or honestly if you don't start stretching these hamstrings out mm. or we have to find a way for you to work with your anger more realistically mm. you know if and and it though, might
1: not be me but this is absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. and
2: and those kinds of things can come from almost anyone i mean everybody who works with kids knows sometimes mm. you get such great Information and and teachings from from working with four, four year olds or five year olds. My daughter's mm. ten, and the, the number of times she says something to me that I think just you know came straight out of a guru's mouth yeah. is just extraordinary.
1: Because kids are so much more connected to spirit, right? Because they've got less of those labels.
2: And connected to spirit, connected to nature, connected to just being. And, yeah. And I think that's the secret. Whether you're a child or a therapist, you know, or an interviewer, you want to say how. How in the moment can I be? Mm. And if I'm really, really in the moment, if I'm totally in my body, connected to the earth, then I'm connected to that person. Mm. And what comes out of me is going to be drawn through the resonance of that. And kids are just in the moment mm. so much more than what we are.
1: Having said that, I think I've done that, and I haven't read any of my questions
2: because <laughs> we've been talking, and it's
1: 45 minutes, and I want to make sure that I've I've covered things that I actually thought about cutting covering okay I want to talk about so I haven't spoken to you about this much and I will end up with some of the energy uh, I guess healing conversation because that's essentially I want to dive into a little bit more of what happens in our personal session because I think it's really interesting to talk to people like yourself that do this as a living but then on this other flip side of actually breaking that down from a personal consultation perspective because mm. mm. everybody doesn't get to hear that, right? Because right. no one's wants to share. It's well, private,
2: yeah. I'm yeah, here, here to share. Here
1: it is. Uh, it's my show I share. But meditation, I want to talk about that. And, and we're going back to essentially a very big turning point for you to understand from the, the person that told you you've got to clean your mind up yeah. because you want to get to the levels of helping people to – he obviously sensed that you wanted to do it at a certain point yeah. then suggested this – but to open up that conversation around people accessing i suppose the real experience of what we're here to experience which is life and and the good stuff which is what we are really here to it's not all good but we i think we've got access to experience a lot more good than we currently are correct yeah do you think that meditation is a key to that and and how do people even think about beginning
2: yeah So I believe that we're sensing beings, is that whether you view us physically or energetically or spiritually, that we gather information, we sense things, we feel things, we hear things, we taste things. And what meditation can do is it can help us to sense and feel and, and actually, you know, even taste and smell things on a much, much, much deeper level. Mm. Because what we're doing is we're cutting out all of the surface chatter, all of the, all of the surface uh, turmoil, so that we can get into the deeper sensing places. And w- deep inside us, you know, we're kind of pulsing all the time. And when, what meditation does is it gives us a way to travel into a place where there's more stillness. Mm-hmm. And within that, from, that, from that more still place... There's better sensing, which means better experiencing of the world. So, mm-hmm. you know, think if you go into somebody's kitchen and they say, can you, can you just taste this, whatever it is, this sauce or this, this dessert and see what you think. Mm-hmm. You don't just kind of run by and taste it. You know, you okay, just a minute. Yep, I'm going plant my feet. I'm going to lean over, really get into the experience. Like you Stop. To have the experience mm. of, of, of gathering it and meditation just lets us do that for everything in life, and that means everything from love to to um, anger to euphoria, you know. And so meditation is is a is a platform, is a place when when the in medita- let me put it this way when the meditation energy is steady within your body, it means your mind is less chaotic and you're able to sense much more of life. And so from a, from a simple standpoint, all it means is taking a little bit of time to be still. And you don't have to pay thousands or tens of thousands of dollars, and you don't have to do certain mantras, you don't have to have the right incense, and you don't have to be sitting on the right kind of cushion or any of that. Mm-hmm. All you need to do is create a space in your life from, from three minutes a day to 20 minutes a day to as much as you want, But even three or five minutes a day where you're still and you're just paying attention to what's happening inside of you, like can I feel my breath going in and out, can I feel my bum sitting on a cushion or a chair or the floor, that stillness starts to train your sensory abilities so that you can experience more fullness in life.
1: So when we say, I mean, the way that you described that, um, I guess that those detailed feelings or that that detailed sensory experience it sounds like to me it's like that beautiful icing or that you know there's this whole extra way we can experience life there's mm. this other mm. level that a lot of us are missing but but do you think because of technology and social media that now it's gone from being just the icing on the cake or it just expands our experience on life and now it's become in in order to get that like even playing field of a world with social media and technology that meditation is more important to even get a standard experience. Does that make sense? So what you explained like that maybe see. 20 years ago, it's like icing on the cake. You know, there's even, you get to experience even more. But now it feels like with everything around us and the way that we live day to day in 2019, that this practice is actually and may become a requirement for you to feel at all.
2: Yeah, just just to have what humans naturally had 100 100 years ago. It's a good point. Well, I have to view it from my perspective of my tradition. So I studied with an Indian master, and he studied with a Himalayan master... And for them and for me, everything that we view is in terms of vibration and frequency. Mm-hmm. And so when we think of mental activity, that's in a range of frequencies. When we mm-hmm. think of social media, that's mm-hmm. a range of frequencies. When we think of certain kinds of news or social media, that's at another frequency yet. And so we're having all these frequencies that are being put upon us, and even even the changes in the weather create kind of a, a bodily frequency response. And so to have... And all of those things are disturbing frequencies. Mm-hmm. So for us to be at a neutral state where we can mm-hmm. have a balanced frequency, a, a generally healthy frequency, yeah, we we need to be doing more because the onslaught from the outside is so much more. And in fact, I think probably why meditation evolved in a place like India is that India is a cradle of True. of kind of sensory onslaught chaos so, yeah, some would say sure and even when the population in india was not what it is now there was so much chaos and so much intensity that it became a part of their culture mm. and their their experience to say look it's a good thing to go off to the himalayas it's a good thing to sit in a cave it's a good thing to sit quietly for a few minutes every day just to come out of the chaos so mm. that you can find what is actually real for you and without meditation i mean i Again, 20 years ago, this was quite, you know, almost sacrilege to say, but without meditation, there's almost no way to find what's real in the world. Mm. And so it's so important that even, I mean, I, 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 I work in many different forms in teaching meditation, but even just to listen to quiet music or someone with a five-minute guide of meditation is such such a plus it pulls you out of all those other frequencies for a few minutes it's like the reset it's it's like you know you're i don't know about you but my computer often often just doesn't do what i want it to do and i have to kind of shut it down and start it back up to get it clear like i have to have to do a total reset for my computer to function the way i want it to function and we have to do that with ourselves and meditation is just a really easy way to do that
1: to live like this you need to be it being really good at it, yeah. i.e., practicing.
2: That's correct. Mm. Yeah, if you, if you want to live in the world mm. of not knowing and being lost, you need to have the comfort of meditation. And I'm to learning hold that you at, you at the moment because
1: I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm in this world, mm. and then you learn pretty quickly that you can't be there without the others. It's That's, just, it's, it's. Then it goes back to being the heart, like the unbearable, like the other option. That's exactly right. The mind, the mind and
2: the ego and the personality just take over and it's what are you doing and are you nuts and who do you think you are to yeah. try that and why aren't you following logic and how much money do you have in the bank and, and you know, mm. what's your partner going to say about that? that? But mm. if, you, if, you're, if you're touching that inner place, that stillness that you can get through meditation or many other practices, and you get, well, this, this just feels, what's, it's right for me. Mm. This is what I'm feeling today is being right for me.
1: I'm gonna ask before we wrap up for you to take my pulse as you would at the beginning. Are you happy to do sure, that? Sure, sure, sure. And I want you to tell our listeners in the best way you can what you feel, what you hear, and to be able to somehow give a picture of the mind of you.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: It might be hard. Yeah, no. But it might so Let's I'm just see. giving just my gonna, wrist. I'm just gonna I'll, reach I'll around put him the on the spot here. here.
2: Just see if you can relax your arm a little bit. All right, so the pulse that I take, so I just set three fingers on Stacy's wrist Mm -hmm. and part of it is an Ayurvedic pulse. I studied Ayurvedic pulse in Bombay and I've also studied a little bit of Chinese medicine's pulse. So I look through both traditions. So the first thing that I do, if I'm just talking technically, is I find the places on the wrist where there are three different pulses and each pulse gives a little bit of different information. So as the blood goes through the different organs, it creates a different, a different vibration or a different pulse from each organ. And if you know where to touch on a, on a wrist, then you can feel the, the pulse of each organ. So with Stacy, I always check what your energy levels are. So if I feel in your kidneys, so there's a pulse there for your kidneys and feeling that your energy levels are a little bit fatigued, that's n- still that's not a surprise. Not new for us. That's not a surprise. Feeling that your digestion is a little bit suppressed, so mm-hmm. that the I would call it the fire, or in, in Ayurveda we say the agni in your in your stomach is not very strong, so mm-hmm. you're not digesting your food as well as you could. But what I also look for is that there's a a, a very nice level of calm. So. Uh, the anxiety that is sometimes there in pulses and sometimes there in your pulse is not there. So that's mm-hmm. really, really good. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you know, you've know had some good time off or a good holiday. So
1: Prioritize it, the right things. Yeah, yeah. yeah
2: so the anxiety is not there. Can I just see the other pulse as well? And again, same thing. When I, I did
1: also, I think, 30 minutes of what? Um, what's the breath where you... <laughs> What's that breath? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that mind of how. Okay,
2: don't, don't worry about the labels. <laughs> just do the. I
1: don't do labels. Yeah, you know yeah, I don't know yeah, the name yeah, of half yeah, this yeah, stuff. That's good. I just don't worry do about it. the sans-
2: <laughs> Sanskrit. Just do it. And again, so most of what I'm feeling is really, really good. And again, it's a little bit on a personal level. But when I feel your heart, your heart is really settled, your heart is really open, um, there's an evenness in your heart. Your liver is processing things really, really well. And other than being a little fatigued in your energy, the, the quality of your energy is um, is spiritually sweet. So there's a sweetness in your energy. And that says to me, just because I've taken your pulse quite a number of times, mm. that you've been doing your practices and that you know things are good in the relationship. And, and so it, what it does is it gives me a picture of a mm. starting place. Mm. Um, to begin a treatment.
1: Mm. And that's why I think it's really important that people hear just a really short, condensed version of what happens in not just your practice, but in many of these more traditional Eastern, um, I guess, what would I call it? Alternative, I hate using that word, sure, natural yeah. um, therapies of ways for us to activate, uh, I guess, a truth to where we are, where our body is, and and not looking the other way at thinking that there's somebody just holding your pulse and you don't know all of the work that goes into that pulse reading. Yeah, And that's why I wanted everyone to hear that because I think there's an incredible uh, desire for more of us, not me for sure. Everybody knows that I'm completely science-cell delivered um, with being open. But I think a lot of you are intrigued, and I think it's also about understanding and respecting craft. A, you, don't, you shouldn't necessarily always have to understand it or know it, Correct. but I think sometimes it does help people make that transition to being a little bit more open, which is why I wanted that to be shared.
2: Sure. I, I, I think what's tricky is that people so often will go and explore some kind of alternative therapy or treatment of some kind, And they hand over their power in the same way that they do if they go to the doctor. And he says, Mm. look, you've got such and such a bacteria or something. And the only thing I would say maybe in conclusion is that no matter what kind of treatment you're going for, keep sensing yourself. If someone says this is the body type you are, does that feel right to you? If somebody says this is what's going on in your liver, does that feel right to you? Use it as information for helping you feel what's going on rather than saying, oh, someone told me, uh, this is going on in my kidneys, and this is what's going on in my my uh, my astrology chart, and this is what's going on in my psychic reading or this is what's going on in my um, digestion use it as as a flag to say, so how do I feel about that? How can I sit with that and explore that myself so you keep the power of taking care of yourself within your own energy field.
1: And you don't then feel like you've let it go that you can get frustrated at somebody else or annoyed that you don't understand or annoyed that something's not working because the power it's your body, right?
2: Sure. Absolutely. I think
1: it's also really good to say that the way that you are able to activate that is by slowing down and having that those three to twenty minutes, whichever it is. Um, of downtime. Because I think a lot of us and that's what a lot of the work I've been doing at the moment is introducing you to your intuition in order for you to make those decisions day to day and to be able to have a conversation where you are talking to you about your life and you're your own mate.
2: Precisely.
1: When you get into that habit you are able to do incredible things for yourself but you have to have the space for you to start to hear that other inner inner you, that, that, that inner friend, that um, that I th- that we both agree that meditation is a very simple way to access your inner friend.
2: That's right. And as you say that, if I can just say this, as you say that, you shift completely out of your mental field, and you're coming out of your intuition and out of your knowing. There was no kind of kind of brain waves interfering with that. That was. It was like it moved out of ego, Stacey, and totally into this beautiful being mm. that I and many other people know that comes out and just says, here's the truth as I'm experiencing it. And that truth as you experience it coming from that place leads other people to the truth as they can experience it. It's oh, really thank beautiful. You. Thank yeah. you.
1: It's a very new journey for me, <laughs> uh, and it is one that I am excited to do, nervous yeah. and uncomfortable, but, but honest. And I'm so, so thrilled that you are one of my first guests on the Stacey June Show. It is as I saw it, so it, everything is the way it should be. Wonderful. and. I'm so grateful for the work that you've done for me and for everybody else that comes into thank your you clinic. Stacey, thank you. I'll put all the details uh, for Mark, all the bits that he's happy for me to share um, <laughs> in the show notes. And you can check out more information about Mark and where to catch some of his videos and other things um, at staceyjune.com forward slash podcasts. Uh, it's just a pleasure and it is a pleasure to have you here, but it's a pleasure to know you.
2: Yeah, the same is true for me. Thank
1: Thanks you. so much. Thanks. Thank you. Amazing! It's so interesting to hear what Michael was was seeing and feeling and accessing his brain when he read out loud what uh, he was accessing by listening to my pulse. And it's interesting. Early stages of this show, it's a it's a time where I'm sculpting what I really want to achieve with it, and really quickly I understood that in some ways it's it's a bit of a focus for me to to crack the critic i think because i really find that many and i'm sure people that are in this this work and this this frame of work and and their commitment to their i guess their talent and their offering is really not driven by what other people think but on the flip side of that, as somebody that is really trying to bridge the gap between just giving the opportunity to those that haven't believed or are not open-minded to some of this stuff and the people that are incredibly open-minded to it, I want to be able to almost crack a code where we can all have a language that is is understood by everybody from all different walks of life with all different, I guess, belief systems and an understanding of of really that you don't have to put some things in a box. And as you would have understood clearly, Michael has an incredible amount of talent and intelligence and study behind everything he does. And a lot of people on this show will offer a lot of that. And I think sometimes because a lot of these these offerings aren't readily I guess, explained or understood by many of us, it can be put in a woo-woo box. And I'm, I'm really passionate about changing that conversation because the amount of help and healing and incredible progression people like Michael have contributed to my life, I feel like everybody should be able to access that. So, I'm so grateful he joined me. I think it's really important to say that after this podcast and this conversation, we felt like there was a real space for us to do many more shows and potentially a bit of work together out of this podcast studio. So just, yeah, let me know what you think, but um, I hope you'll look forward to that as much as we do. If you are interested in seeing Michael or contacting him for any reason, you can check him out at samvahan.com. That's S. A, oh, well, I have to read it S A M S A M V H A N. My God, my eyesight. S-A-M-V-A-H-A-N clinic. So we'll put the link in show notes. Uh, I really hope that we can get him back really soon and talk about things in particular. And there is an open door here. If you have something that you'd love for us to chat about on another podcast, please let me know at stacy at stacyjune.com. I read all of those emails and we'll be looking forward to any kind of thoughts and feedback and conversation. And of course, the comment section on my podcast page at stacyjune.com. Okay, guys, well, I hope you enjoy the very first episode of The Stacey June Show. I have so many more. fun, amazing, insightful things to come for you. Um, and I will see you very soon. Please let your friends and family know that this is happening, that this is where I'll be playing for a while. And I would love your support by sharing this on social media. That's a really big one for me. I'm going to start uh, thinking about some ways that I can give back to you for when you are sharing my work. So stay tuned on that. But for now, a rating and review is so, so appreciated. Um, and thank you to those of you who have who have reached out and said, oh, you're doing a Patreon account. I, I'm happy to contribute to this. You know, it really means the world to me that people value the work this much. So thank you for that. I will consider consider that in the next few months. But I think for now, it's sharing the love and sharing the work. So if you've loved this show, you know, it's so much more valuable at this point of the game than a dollar that to, to be able to share it to your network. So on Facebook, on Instagram, share the podcast, share a place for, that people can listen to it, and leave a rating and review. All right, guys, see you soon.
0: Hold up. Bijou Podcasts, the home of taboo conversations.